Okay, welcome to the newest installment uh, slash series to the podcast. This is going to be a little uh, like let's learn type of segment where we're going to be discussing Japan and all the interesting things that it has to offer throughout history and even to this day. Now, the first thing that I kind of want to go over is something that um, I'm hoping will grab your attention because it sure grabbed mine, and uh, that's going over the samurai. Uh, that's just a very popular, um, just a very popular kind of topic within the, you know, kind of like a subcategory within Japan, and a lot of people are very interested in learning about it, uh, and myself being one of them. Now, I'm not a historian. I don't claim to be. I'm just somebody who does research by his own free will. I've been doing it for quite some time now, and I compiled uh, some information for you guys that I hope you guys can find useful. Now, without further ado, let's uh, let's jump right into the samurai. Now, for this, I have kind of broken down into I want to say six sections, um, just going over different type of um, aspects uh, within the samurai and their lifestyle and kind of what they were about. So, again, without further ado, let's jump right into this. We're gonna enjoy some lo-fi kind of. Japanese style music in the background, just kind of set the tone, make sure it's all relaxed and stuff, and make sure things are squared away, make sure things are all all good to go. So yeah, let's enjoy some lo-fi, and hopefully you guys can get some good information out of this. Um, and yeah, so basically, let's start off with uh, just, you know, those, you know, what, what was this, who were the samurai, and I guess, you know, we can discuss, like, the way of the warrior, quote-unquote. So, I guess although the, the traditional samurai no longer exists, uh, the influence of these warriors still manifests itself deeply in Japanese culture, and samurai heritage can be seen all over Japan, um, whether it's, like, some sort of great castle, uh, a carefully planned garden, like a Zen garden type of thing, or, you know, beautifully preserved samurai housing. Uh, it's also deeply ingrained in the kind of physique of the Japanese people. Now, the basis of samurai conduct is referred to as Bushido. That's translates to the way of the warrior. So, this unique kind of philosophy valued honor, reckless bravery, and selflessness, uh, as well as kind of the duty to the warrior's master with the purpose of giving up one's life and kind of, kind of embracing death. Um, and the way that they saw that was kind of, death was more of an honorable thing. It wasn't something that they should be scared of. It was just something that, you know, when my time comes, my time comes, uh, just let me go out with, with honor. And that's pretty admirable, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, there was no place for fear in the way of the warrior. And this conduct of self-discipline and respectful kind of ethical behavior was to become the role model behavior for other classes throughout Japan's history. So that's kind of a rundown of that. So, obviously, samurai were warriors, they lived by the, the samurai code of honor, which is Bushido, the way of the warrior. Now, moving on, I want to talk about, um, you know, because they weren't just savages who would go and pillage and stuff like that. They were actually very literate men of war, and they had leadership skills like none other. They were fearless warriors, you know, there's no other way to put it. So, I guess, like I said... Not only were the samurai skillful warriors, but they were also expected to be highly cultured and literate. Uh, to be skilled, 
in kind of the harmony of fighting and learning. An ancient saying aspired by the warriors was Bunbu Rio Do, which means the pen and sword in accord. Uh, and it was common for samurai to enjoy calligraphy, tea ceremony, poetry, and music, and to study. So they were always trying to kind of up their game, make sure that they're working on themselves in, in every single aspect, you know, both mind and body, and combat as well. So it was these highly aspired ideals of educated warriors that kind of allowed for the cohesion of samurai armies and for their power to eventually dominate government. So... In 1160, um, in 1160, the Taira clan beat the Minamato clan, and Taira no Klimori, I'm sure I'm butchering that, my apologies, uh, established the first samurai-led government, with the emperor losing control and being uh, relegated to figurehead status. Um, however, up until that time, throughout the Highland period, um, which was uh, 794 to 1185, samurai had been employed to serve in close attendance with nobility, protecting the land of the wealthy. Uh, I guess aided by political backing and resources, the samurai had come into political power. Tyra's control did not last long, though, um, as in 1192. At the start of the Kamakura period, which is 1192 to 1333, Minamoto Yorimoto received the title of Shogun, and gained rule of Japan. Um, various bakufu, or shogunate, ruled over the centuries, uh, each shaping the leadership of the country in their own way with the samurai, continuously influencing the classes with their ideals of high uh, literacy and education. Uh, such was the influence of these elite warriors that during the Edo period, 1603 to 1868, levels of literacy were higher than in Central Europe, <laughs> which is actually kind of crazy to think about. So I guess let's talk about kind of how they, so we kind of have an idea of who they were, what they were about, you know, combat, fearlessness, stuff like that, definitely um, high combative type people, but they were also very calm and they saw everything as kind of a fluid motion of how things are supposed to be. You know, if something happens, there's a purpose, if something, you know, and that goes to their mindset too. They kind of, you know, they were very calm, they were very... Zen, I guess you could put it. Um, so let's just kind of go over like the calm mind of the samurai. So from the 13th century, samurai conduct became heavily influenced by Zen Buddhism. Uh, by being present in the moment, Zen training kind of allowed a samurai to become one with their sword, and the free and kind of spontaneous mind gave them the mental edge over their enemy. Uh, Zen meditation calmed the mind and gave a warrior... Uh, just kind of mental strength to deal with their inevitable death because each and every one, one of them knew that at any time it could happen, you know, whether it's in battle or just natural causings. <laughs> so they were kind of just at terms, like they kind of took into, you know, they're like, okay, well, we're going to die, so let's just be as calm as we can and prepare for the worst, you know, hope for the best, expect the worst. That's just kind of what it was about. So Zen kind of complemented and influenced the way of the warrior. In over four centuries, Zen practices such as Tea ceremonies, monochrome ink paintings, uh, let's see, rock gardens, and poetry, like haikus, introduced by monks, were allowed to flourish thanks to these great warriors. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Buddhist teachings had such an immense effect that as they became more ingrained in samurai life, some samurai lost meaning in killing and gave up their sword 
for lives as monks. So that's how influenced the, these samurai were, that they were like, you know what, I'm done fighting, I just want to be more zen, and kind of move over to the teaching aspect rather than the fighting aspect. So that's kind of that, and I think this is something that everybody should, should try to practice as far as meditating, just kind of... Um, what do they call it? Like a, a like like a mental rehab type of thing. Just meditation, kind of just taking taking a little while to yourself, just to kind of relax, breathe, take in everything that's going on, and just kind of calmly exerting it out of your life. And I think again, that's something that everybody could benefit from. Uh, there's plenty of apps that allow you know can kind of help you with that. Uh, I've tried some myself, and it's actually very relaxing. I mean, it's even as simple as just. Sometimes I'll go up and, you know, draw a bath and put on some music that's kind of like this lo-fi stuff and just close my eyes for a little bit. Just kind of take a minute to myself and just breathe and just, you know, whatever it is. Meditation comes in all sorts of forms. It doesn't just have to be, you know, go to a cherry blossom Zen garden and wear a robe and get down on your knees and just sit there for three hours. No, it, it could be anything. Um, so I guess going from here, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll talk about... More of just the samurai and the samurai's weapons, like the sword. Um, so I guess kind of complementing samurai bravery is the katana, or a samurai sword. And Bushido kind of dictated that this curved, slender blade was the soul of a warrior. Uh, images of samurai depict them with uh, their masterfully crafted weapons of war, and together with the, the shorter blade of Wakazashi, this pair, known as the Daisho, represented the social status and personal kind of honor of the samurai. So, in the mid-1600s, Miyamoto, uh, yeah, Miyamoto Musashi, which I'm actually reading his book right now, huge shout out to him, it's a great book, it's called The Book of Five Rings, uh, it had to be interpreted, translated, and kind of pieced together to make sense, oh my gosh, you can get it on Amazon for like 15 bucks, Definitely a good read, guys. I definitely recommend The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. Um, this guy is just absolutely amazing. We're going to kind of touch base with him in a minute here. Um, he was highly revered, and uh, un he's an undefeated swordsman. And he, he wrote his book kind of explaining how he did the things that he did. He was, some would arguably say, that he was the best swordsman in all Japanese history. And based off of the stuff that I've personally researched and done about him, or read about him, he, it, it absolutely uh, seems probable to me. So, I guess his teachings on military strategy and tactics draw heavily on the Tibetan and Zen philosophy. And he advocated the use of both the katana and the wakizashi simultaneously in battle. Um, so, during the Edo period, the Takagawa shogunate um, pretty much sought to achieve a unified Japan, and towards the end of this relatively peaceful time, the role of the samurai kind of changed from that of a warrior to, like, a courtier, a bureaucrat, and administrator, and with it, the original use of the katana, although they continued to carry their swords, they were, I guess now they were more of a symbol of power rather than a means of, like, defense and combat. <clears throat> So it, it definitely changed. Um, so not only master swordsmen, the samurai, were also proficient in using the yumi, or the longbow. Uh, when the longbow ceased to be used as a weapon, the art of kyojutsu, the skill of the bow, was adapted to a sporting activity, yabosame. The practice of shooting from horseback was 
pretty much introduced into Shinto ceremonies, and this form of archery can still be enjoyed today in certain festivals throughout Japan. And actually, guys, I would definitely go check that out. It's actually really cool. So kind of, I've kind of seen how they did it. So it's a big, it's a longbow. It's a giant, ginormous longbow. And these samurai or Japanese warriors, what, what, you know, what, what have you, they'll, they'll, they, they had these special mounts for these horses that had kind of platforms for their feet. So it's almost rather that, you know, they're standing on the horse, you know, so they're saddled, like they're, they're saddling the horse, but their feet are on level ground and they're pretty much they're not like almost none of their body weight is on the horse. So as the horse is galloping and running through the, 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 the special crafted type of saddle is kind of absorbing everything so they're more steady and that's how they were able to use the bow so proficiently on horseback which is actually pretty interesting to to learn about um so from here i guess we can talk about kind of like the decline of the samurai and kind of when they start to kind of started to um de like dissipate like just go away i suppose and it just kind of became not really a thing anymore um so i guess the decline of the samurai came in uh about the late 19th century, as Japan opened its borders to the U.S. Navy, and the power was given back to the imperial family in the Meiji Restoration uh, in 1868. So, samurai became known as Shizoku, a term which represented their former samurai status, and they were no longer allowed to wear a katana in public. So they kind of had that stripped away from them. Uh, in the late 19th century, the samurai class was abolished in favor of a western-style national army. And as a result, many of the samurai became highly motivated and disciplined imperial army officers. Or, or they used their, their high levels of literacy to become reporters, writers, or to serve in, some, in, in the government. Um... So yeah, kind of around that time, everything just, it, it was a big change. It definitely turned the table for, uh, you know, samurai history and Japanese history all, all in a whole. Everything became more modernized. Like you said, they had, they, they interpreted Western style type of stuff and they were more modern and they didn't really have use for samurai anymore. <clears throat> so there's that. And I guess just to kind of, because I didn't want to make this one such a long, a long podcast because it's not a special or anything and I don't want these to ever go past like 20-25 minutes. I don't want it to be one of those giant long podcasts, especially since I'm on my own. Uh, if I had somebody on here who could talk with me, which I'm open to guests, that's a different story. Me by myself, I just want to put something out here for you guys, just so you guys can kind of get a taste of what I'm going to, the new, the newer content that I'm going to be releasing and to kind of see if you, you consider it like a free trial, like if you guys actually like it or not. And if you don't, that's okay. Let me know. If you do like it, even better, let me know too. Be sure to share and like the, the podcast. Appreciate it, guys. Um, so lastly, I guess we'll conclude this with kind of like the samurai heritage. Um, so Japan is is proud of its warriors of the past and the way of the warrior can be found all over the, the beautiful country of Japan. Um, like I said in the beginning, it, maybe it's visiting one of the great castles that bore witness to many of the, the gruesome and... <laughs> quite frankly, you know, horrific battles, um, maybe it's experiencing a festival with its origins in samurai culture. Um, maybe it's visiting the grounds of great samurai battles in history, or a pilgrimage to, a, like, maybe to, like, uh, the, the small cave where Musashi wrote his book. <laughs> but, uh, and, and honestly, this all, this stuff just, just kind of, 
listening to myself say that is like, wow, I would really like to do that myself, actually. It seems very interesting, and hopefully one day I have the opportunity to do that. I'll just take a voyage over to Japan and do as much research as I can. Um, but samurai ideals have transcended throughout Japanese history, and understanding the samurai heritage provides kind of an interesting insight into today's modern society and the respect and discipline and honor that is prevalent throughout this uh, unique nation and that the rest of the world admires. And I guess that's just kind of how I want to wrap this up because we're just shy of 17 minutes. And I know by the time I add the outro and all that, it's going to be around 18. Um, so I hope you guys kind of got some good learning out of this. Uh, I definitely am going to start covering more. This was just kind of like an overview of the samurai in general. I'm definitely going to start talking about characters who influenced samurai history. Uh, William Adams, the first Englishman who became a samurai. Uh, Yasuke, the first African-American who became, or just African, my mistake. African who became a samurai. Uh, and Musashi too. And many, many more guys. This, 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 this area of study can go on for decades. <laughs> you know, there's just so much to learn, so much stuff to cover. And there's stuff that I learn every day that I'm like, whoa, holy smokes. And it's astonishing to me, really. It, it really is astonishing to me. Um, but yeah, actually, guys, I think I, I don't I don't think I'm going to do an outro today. This 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 right here is going to be kind of considered my outro. I'm still kind of getting a feel for how I want to format these video, the, videos, these podcasts. <laughs> my mistake. Um, but yeah, all in all, guys, just uh, I hope you guys learned something. Be sure to share this podcast with friends, family, anybody who you know might be interested. And if you guys have anything that you'd like to contribute to the show, please be my guest. Please, please just message me, send me something. If there's somebody or something you want me to talk about, please feel free to send that to me. I have a Facebook, uh, Austin Matchy. I have, um, I have an email, all that good stuff. But honestly, Facebook is the best way to get in touch with me. So yeah, with that being said, I'd like to uh, wish everybody a, uh, a a good and hopefully uh, entertaining weekend. I know there's not much we can do right now, but make the best out of it. And uh, to all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day in advance. And yeah, I'll see you guys on the next show. That's going to be the Words of Encouragement coming out to Wednesday. So look out for that, guys. And yeah, it's been Austin.